Lord, we bless your name today and thank you for how good you've been to us. We thank you for your patience and your love and the mercy you continuously rain down on us, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for another day, another opportunity. We ask you to forgive us for those wasteful moments we spent prior to right now, Lord. Strengthen us and equip us with all that we need to be most effective for you as we move forward, Lord. Thank you for those who come today, Lord. Came with the mind to hear from you. So I pray, Lord, that something will be said that will be specifically designed for the place they are in life right now. Will be uniquely for them. A word from you that will strengthen their resolve to continue being faithful continue being yours, Lord, and to keep on marching towards Zion. Lord, we thank you for being a way maker. Way maker, Lord. In fact, we've been told by those who have had the direct experience that you can make a way out of no way. For that, we say thank you, Lord. Somebody in here needs a special blessing. Somebody in here is struggling with a load that's heavier than they can bear, Lord. It's my prayer that they will not try to continue to carry that load, Lord, but place all their burdens on you. Because I know for a fact that you are a burden bearer, a heavy load sharer. Bless them, Lord. I bless these words and help them to be illuminating, Lord. Help them to be edifying. Help them to be encouraging. We come not in our own power and our own strength, but we come in the power and the strength of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Son you gave us, the Savior you provided for us. We ask it all in his name. Amen. Amen. When was the last time you had a chance to just shout out amen to the Lord? You ought to find yourself doing that sometimes. Just sometimes we take the little things we ought to celebrate for granted. Waking up in the morning deserves an amen and a shout. Yeah, being able to take care of yourself in the morning deserves an amen and a thank you, Lord. Being able to dress yourself, put on your own clothes, walk around the house if you got one, somebody ought to know to say thank you, Lord. And if by chance you got a pair of shoes, you ought to say thank you. Now, if you got choices when it comes to shoes and clothes, you ought to be shouting for real about how good God has blessed you.
You got more than one room to go in in your house. You ought to say thank you. And if the Lord has given you a vehicle to get around in, even if sometimes you don't know it's going to crank, you still ought to say thank you. Yeah, we take too much for granted. and He don't have to do it to us. He doesn't have to do it for us. And I think sometimes when it comes to the mighty powerful things in our lives, we don't have problems saying, thank you, Lord. I came to tell you, you need to learn to shout for the micro blessings, not just the macro blessings. No, if you learn how to shout for the micro blessings, then the macro blessings come automatically. Yeah. Somebody was supposed to shout just then because you, you just learned something. Be in tune to what God is doing for you. And what he's doing, I hope you're letting him do something through you. Are you a receiver of God's blessings and a deliverer? Or do you just get it and keep it? Are you telling somebody about how good God is? Did you go? We've had at least a couple of weeks already this year. Have you told anybody how good God has been in 2020? Did you tell anybody, God been better to me this year than he ever been before in my life? In my life. Will you get another opportunity to do it today? Learn how to praise him. Because when you know how to praise him, it makes the tough times a little bit better. Because you know he's already listening to you. Not like you're going to a stranger. Anybody but me ever been through tough times in their life? Yeah. Fell yourself not knowing who to turn to, where to go. Try the Lord. He's ready and listening for you. He's not just there for you asking him to give you stuff. He wants to talk to you about your life. Share with him. We started a sermon series last week called the I Am series. Jesus in his own words. Jesus in his own words in the first series, sermon in the series was I am the bread of life. Jesus told us after performing some miracles, that he was the bread of life. Makes sense. He came from the house of bread, Bethlehem. Makes sense that God in his infinite wisdom would put the bread of life in the house of bread to be born. It just makes sense to me. And this week, we find Jesus in another setting, one of the seven settings that he used the terminology, I am. Today, we find him telling a gathering, I am the light of the world. I am 
the light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12 reads, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, I want you to read that. It's the story of Jesus healing a man who was born blind. He was born blind. And so naturally the question would arise, and disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned? His, this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus responded, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sinned. Night is coming when no one can work. And then Jesus reminded them or said to them again, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then after saying that, he spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. And then he told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man went and washed and came home seeing. I am the light of the world. Right there, you ought to stick a pen in verse 6. John 9, 1 and 6. You ought to write down creation of the first Rite Aid Pharmacy. Yeah. Mud and Jesus spit. Mud and Jesus spit. Creation of it. What would we do without light? Light is such a part of who we are and how we function that we can't even imagine not having, not having light. Those of us who have been blessed to enjoy it know that it's an indispensable part of how we operate, how we deal with our everyday affairs. In fact, we get discombobulated whenever there's a problem with lights. We, we can't operate. Ask Alabama Powell. Whenever there's a storm that comes through and the power is knocked out. I can't imagine how many calls they get. I'm sure it's thousands, simply because people, people can't function. And I don't know that it has so much to do with the cooking as the seeing. 
And people are just thrown out of sorts when we can't have light. But light has been important since God created everything. In the beginning, he created the sun to give us light by day. And of course, he gave us the moon, which lights, which lights the night. They also have certain other things they do, but the most significant thing we derive from them is illumination, seeing. Clearly, when he said he created it, he said it's good. So we know it's a benefit directly to us from both of them. Not just heat, not just warmth, not just growth, but visibility. And you and I both know we need light so we can see where we're going, read, drive, so we can work. Light has become, in some respects for us, a luxury. And without it, our daily lives just wouldn't function well. And unlike people who are born visually impaired, we have become addicted to light. We're addicted to this light down here. We, we, we need it. We've come a long way since man's first attempts to lighten up his environment, fueled by whatever he could find that fire could touch or moved on to some more sophisticated things like wicker lamps and all these things come with their own issues. Anybody that's had to use lamps that burned oil know about the derivatives that come from those lamps. Your, your house is going to have some soot in it. Didn't know how bad that was till we had a snowstorm. 1993, I believe it was. We were in Anniston. We got, like everybody else, snowed in. Had to use the fireplace in the place we were staying that we had never used before. <clears throat> And uh, we got it going thanks to my Tuskegee wonder. <laughs> she knew what she was doing. We even cooked on it. And I knew I had the right one then. <laughs> yes, sir. But it was later in the year, I think that was around April when we had that snowstorm, and we moved out of this place in June, moving on, time to go to the army. We were shutting that place down, closing it down, and just as we were pulling the furniture out, I noticed a spot on one of the walls. It looked like something dark on it. Whew, so I went over and rubbed it. And yep, because <laughs> then I realized that the entire wall had soot on it. <laughs> and me rubbing it only showed that the soot was on the whole wall because it was lighter under that spot now. So I eased out of that room. <laughs> 
And there goes that security deposit because they had to paint that one again. We, we had to leave that one in Amsterdam. But the light in the room was not sufficient for us to distinguish that there was something on the wall. Sometimes that's our problems in life. We got soot, sin in our lives. But the light you're up under is not sufficient to let you know that you got something going on. It's not until you get to a brighter light that you can identify that there's a problem. We have uh, had services in this sanctuary without lights. We had powers out after a storm. We didn't realize until we got to church that Sunday. So we look at this. I'm going to tell you this. You can sing without the instruments. You can preach without microphone. And we still had church in here. We still had a worship service without all these benefits. And we still had light in here because we had the light of the Lord shining through these big old pretty windows. And so we still had a worship opportunity. You know there are different kinds of artificial light, spotlight, neon light, fire, fireworks, yeah. Don't nobody say, now nah, I lay me down to sleep here. We're not talking about parliament up in here. Every day we can continue to echo the term, uh, the phrase that Jesus, I mean, that God said when he said, let there be. Let there be light. But in the days that Jesus Christ was walking the earth, when this passage was put in place, light was more precious then than it is, I think, to us, because it was so rare. They had a greater need for it. They were in an arid, dry place. And when it was dark, it was dark, yes. When, when, when the moon wasn't doing its job, or it was a, a, a cloud-covered night, it was dark. You needed something to light the way. But at this time, the Jews used to have festivals. This is the history of this piece. I hope, you, I hope you hear. You gotta understand, why would Jesus proclaim this? Why would he say that? We found out why he said, I'm the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He was trying to make sure that they understood his divinity. You can feed on me, he said, because I'm the bread of life. And if you feed on me, you'll never be hungry again. That's what he was trying to tell the people. Why then would he say, I am the light of the world? People of his day would get together for Jewish festivals at various times of the year. And invariably during those celebrations, there would be some highlighting section that dealt with light because it was still such a wonder to them. One of the special events that they would get together for throughout the year was called the Festival of Tabernacles. Festival of Tabernacles. They were commemorating the time when God delivered his people out of bondage in Egypt and they lived in tents. They were nomadic. And he was, they were 
celebrating and commemorating the journeys through the wilderness. They had no problem celebrating at each interval when God blessed them. And they didn't always give reverence to God. I can't sit here and tell you they were always devoted, but they always knew how to throw a party. They were concentrating on God's deliverance from his people, for his people, from the darkness, watch this, the darkness of those wilderness experiences when they were out there in the desert, in the dark, they were celebrating the brighter days that came forth when they moved into the promised land and things were better. The festival of the tabernacles. And during the festival of the tabernacles, on the first evening of the festival, there was a ceremony that was called the illumination of the temple. Jesus is a teacher. Jesus is showing them a spiritual truth by pointing to something they're already familiar with. They were already familiar with the festival of the tabernacles. They were already familiar with the illumination of the temple. And so he draws them from the familiar to the unfamiliar to teach them a spiritual truth. The, uh, the illumination of the temple would take place in one of the courtyards within the temple complex. Four giant candelabras would be erected. And once lit on that front, on that first night, the illumination would be enough to almost light the whole city. And so Jesus taught them that just as we can illuminate this city, he said, this candelabra is the light of the city. But I need you to know, just as it illuminates the city, I'm able to illuminate the whole world. He can draw that analogy because they understand that they don't have to be in the temple courtyard during the illumination of the temple to benefit from the light that's put there. They can be far away and still see how bright that light is. Now there were people in the courtyard because it was such an event. They erected seats like bleachers at an athletic event. They came in just to see this illumination because it was still a wonder. Can you imagine a party thrown just so you can look at lights? Well, you do it right now. Y'all do it right now. Don't, don't think bad of them because I know some of y'all drive up to Vulcan to watch fire on the mountain, thunder on the mountain, whatever it's called. You go up there just to watch lights being displayed. We're still fascinated by displays of lights in our community. We still spend an inordinate amount of money just to display, to display lights. The historians of that day said that this blaze was so large, Cass, that everyone around could see just like it is with the fireworks. You can be all over the city in different places and still see that 
artificial light being put in play. All night long during the festival of illumination, the religious leaders would dance and, and, and they would sing psalms and they would pray for all in the temple to celebrate how important light is. I, I want you to understand light was important because Jesus is not wasteful, God is not wasteful. He wouldn't come and make this statement if it didn't have some serious theological value to your spiritual walk. He wants you to know even though you're not strengthened today by how wonderful light is, you ought to be strengthened to know that he is the light. Even though you've been so drunk with light all your life that you can't even appreciate darkness, really. Some of us don't even get the importance of it. But those who don't have light in their lives, they know how important light is, even just a little bit of it. So it's against this backdrop, against this tradition in the Jewish community that Jesus is now talking to this group of listeners and he's using the analogy of light so they would understand. And he said, you've seen the blaze of the temple illumination piercing the darkness of the night. I am the light of the world. And for the person who follows me, there will be light not only for exciting one's night, but for lighting one's entire life's journey. The light in the temple is a brilliant light. But in the end, y'all, guess what? Candelabras go out. Fireworks fizzle away. Even the bulbs in your house have to be changed out. All these artificial lights have a definite end. I came to tell you today that the one who said he is the light of the world is an endless light. His light never goes out. Jesus went on to say that anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have, look at this, the light of life. And so he came as the light that would pierce the world of its darkness, because some of us don't see the world as being dark. How many of y'all think maybe that we live in a dark world? No, 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 even in broad daylight, we live in a dark world. Even in broad daylight, people are struggling with dark hearts. People are struggling with dark thoughts. People are involved in dark actions. People need illumination in their lives. They, they need to know that there's somebody greater and brighter than them. And unfortunately, these people who engage in all these dark activities have influence over other folk. And so they're teaching them dark ways too. And they're struggling. In verse 12, Jesus reminds them, anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness. Surely he can't simply be alluding to walking at night. He's got to be talking about how you walk throughout your life. There's got to be a greater purpose. 
And so he sends them back to the Exodus and reminds them how God led them out of Egypt. Sometimes we take this for granted. I've told you, you, you can't know our Christian journey unless you understand the journey of the children of Israel and how they left Egypt and they got out of the city of Egypt and found themselves in a desert, didn't know where to go, and God said, I'll lead you out. And so during the day, God placed himself ahead of them in the form of, we say, a cloud. And the cloud led them out of Egypt through the desert. But at night, when it's hard to see a cloud, God manifested himself. The theophany he created was a pillar of fire that led them out of Egypt. So by day, he led them out in the cloud at night, a pillar of fire that all of them could see. In other words, he was the light that led them. All day, all night, he led them. And Jesus is here reminding them that God has always provided a way for you. And the way that he provided was himself. He didn't send substitutes. And that's why Jesus can once again come to them, stand on his deity and say, I am. I am the light of the world. I'm the God that led you out of Egypt. Jesus said, in one place, I'm the rock that gives you water. Now he's saying, I'm the, I'm the light that leads you out. He's always referencing experiences that they've had. But look at this, watch this, watch this. And I gave you some pictures of what the temple looks like at night. I hope you saw that. But that's um, the first thing you need to understand about walking around in darkness, if you don't understand what this light is, there are hazards to walking around in darkness. Oh, oh yeah, there's some hazards. If you're in darkness, you're gonna stumble. You, you're, going to, you're going to stumble over something. Whether that's physical darkness or whether that's darkness in your personal life, you're going to stumble over something. And not only that, Dwayne, you might end up hurting yourself when you stumble. You could fall. Not only that, you're bound to get lost if you're walking around in darkness. But I know we can see that from a physical standpoint, how many of you know that you can also be stumbling around spiritually and find yourself lost? Oh, plenty of folk have been searching for light and got stuck in darkness. I can take you through case after case of folk who were stumbling around not knowing which way to go and they found themselves under the tutelage and direction of somebody that wasn't light but was dark. I can name plenty of folk that have gone to glory or gone somewhere because they were following somebody in the dark. They weren't following somebody in the light. The whole group of folk went over to an island following a man named Jim Jones who claimed to have a way of life that was for everybody, but I, I know we know now it was all darkness. For the end of it, tragedy hit and hundreds of folk realized too late 
that they were stumbling around in the darkness. Not only are there hazards when you're walking in darkness, and you can harm yourself, you can also harm other folk. Because you're supposed to help by letting the light that shines reflect off you. But when you're in darkness, not only can you fall into them, you can't help them get out of the situation they're in. And it might be somebody you love. You can't help them or yourself. And so Jesus gives that analogy as well. They understood that when Jesus, look, look at this, when God delivered the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt, he didn't send somebody to do it. He went and did it himself. He led them out. Didn't he say in scripture, I believe, that I carried you out as a mother carries her brood out on wings as eagles. I, did, I carried you out. That's how much he loves us. That, that's why the only thing you need to do once you see the light is make the decision to follow it. Oh, I know y'all been talking about this all your lives. You've been around church. You've been talking about this. The songwriter said, I have decided to follow Jesus. In other words, I see where he's going. And I'm going to fall in line behind him. Folk have fallen in line behind Buddha and, and they do yoga. They do everything. Trying to get, every time I read it, they say, I'm just trying to find illumination. Trying to find the pathway to righteousness. And Jesus comes telling them, I am that way. I am the pathway. The way you need to go for righteousness is through me. But not only does light or the absence of it present perils for you and for others, I love this, that light provides protection from, for us. Yeah. Think about this. When the pillar of fire was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, not only did it show them, away, show them the way, it also told the enemies out there, you better stay away. Because somebody out here is lighting up the darkness for them, and we know that somebody was the Lord. He was protecting them. Light in your life will shoo darkness away. Anybody in here know besides me that roaches run in the dark? You find roaches in your life. That can be whatever kind of roach you want, but all I'm saying is they find safety in dark places. And you don't know that until you turn the light on. And they start scrambling out of your lives. And sometimes you don't understand that you've been in darkness. Somebody in your life with light reflecting off them gets in your life and illuminates that you got dark creatures in your life. And they start running. That's why that boyfriend that don't mean no good start running when your mama come around. Because she just turned the light on. Yeah, that light of the Lord reflecting off her just told you that roach need to go. (laughs) 
But not only is light good for illumination, I love this too. Light is also a cleanser. Oh yeah, a cleanser. The, the medical experts will tell you, you just need to go outside. You need to get some sunlight. You're struggling from not having enough light in your life. Living in a state of darkness can do you psychological harm and physical harm. Because you have not. I'm not just talking about to your eyes, to your whole body. You need light in your life. I don't know, I, I'm sure some, some medical personnel in here who can tell me the scientific name for what it is when you get light. I know plants need it in order to grow. We learned that. If you didn't learn nothing else in science, uh, you learned photosynthesis. You learn that the plant can't be all that it's purposed to be without light. And I can't imagine that God would bless a plant more than he would bless me with light. And I'm here to tell you, you can't be all you designed to be unless you have light in your life. That light needs to shine all over you. Jesus Christ said, not only am I with you, I'm the one leading you. He's not, look at this now, he's not a directional aid. He's not a GPS. He is the way. You got to follow him. Look, 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 watch this. A GPS in your car is taking direction from somewhere else. It's attached to a system that's telling it the directions to tell you. Jesus is the system. He's the light. He's the voice that's talking to your God positioning system. That's why he can say, not only am I the way, I'm the truth and the life. If you want to go in the right direction, then you have to follow me because I'm the light of the world. And so you don't just use Jesus to find the way. He is the way. Watch this. Because some people get lost and don't know how to get back to their destination point. Because they don't know how to get back to their destination, they tend to stay lost. Scared to get up and do anything. Can I tell you this? Jesus is aware of where you are and where you're going. And he knows how to get you to the place you need to be. So watch, the Pharisees hated Jesus. They hated him. And they jumped him, they attacked him. This is part of the scripture, it's right after, I read through chapter, through verse 12. Read through verse 12. This actually is right after that. They start attacking Jesus once he proclaims himself to be the light of the world and they call him a liar. And Jesus starts schooling them. And he says to them in verse 14, first of all, I know where I came from. And then he said, and I know where I'm going. If I know where, I'm, where I came from, and I know where I'm going, how can I be lying when I say I'm the way? 
But you don't know where you're going, he told them. And you don't know the way because you use wrong motives in talking to folk. Revelation 21 and 8 says that people who make a practice of lying are not going to heaven. Yeah, you can put a pin in that one. And Jesus knows he's going to be seated on the right hand of the Father. He said, I know where I came from because I know who sent me. Not only do I know who sent me, I know where I'm going back to. And so if I know both of those things, how can I be lying? So Jesus Christ, schooling the Pharisees, is also schooling us too and telling us, I know where you are. I know you're lost. I know you're struggling. I know you're in a place you don't want to be. All I'm asking you to do is follow me because I can't lead you wrong if you follow me. But you got to decide. That's the hardest thing you got to do. You got to decide you want to follow him. If you follow him, he'll lead you to the place you need to be. It might not be a fast journey. We always want everything right now. But you will get to the place you need to be. And guess what? You want everything to be right for your family. When you start going right and the light that's shining from Jesus on you starts magnifying across your family, your whole family will start to turn. That's why one person in a family who starts to follow the Lord can be the catalyst to turn a whole family around. The question is, will you be the one to follow the light of Jesus Christ? And Jesus talks to those Pharisees and puts them in their place when they tell him he's lying about being the light of the world. And he tells them this, and I want to leave you with this. He said, the reason is, the reason why you don't know what you're talking about is because true vision begins in the heart and not the eyes. True vision begins in your heart and not in your eyes. And he pointed out to them that they judge by appearance when they should be judging about what's true. Watch this. They didn't like Jesus because of where he came from. They were looking at him. They weren't watching what he was doing, but they were looking at where he came from. How can the Savior come from Nazareth? You come from a little old bitty town. We know your daddy. He was a carpenter. They think small of him because they're looking at his outward appearance. You didn't even go to school like you should have. How can you be the Messiah? But what they weren't doing, and that's they're looking with their eyes. Even though as Pharisees, they know the scripture. And they know that the scripture would tell them, he should have been born in Bethlehem because that's what, Math, that's what Malachi predicted, that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. Jesus was. They also know that the Savior was predicted to come out of the house of David. All they had to do was look at his life and know that Jesus came out of the lineage of the house of David. Not just on his daddy's side, but on his mama's side too. But they're looking with their eyes. They think small of people because that's what they see. He met all the qualifications that the prophets came up with to be the Messiah. But the Pharisees couldn't look beyond his outward appearance. They were blind. Watch this. They were blind to the truth. And they wouldn't listen to the truth from him when he said it because they already had their minds made up. The Bible called these folk stiff-knit. 
hard-hearted. They wouldn't know the truth if it walked up and hit them. And Jesus was right there in their faces. I'm not even talking about all the miracles that Jesus performed. I'm just talking about who he is and presenting himself to be. And the reason they couldn't see is because they were not looking with their hearts because all the evidence was right there in front of, in front of them. Don't be flawed in your vision by what you think, because nobody would have predicted that Jesus would have been born of a virgin. No one would have predicted that he would come from a manger, and yet that's how God designed it to be. Be open to being blessed any way the Lord wants to bless you. What, what, what do you mean by that, Reverend Spark? I'm telling you, you don't have to come out of mega in order to be mega blessed. You don't have to come out of big in order to get big blessings from God. Anybody can help you see the way. I've told you this before. There's a gentleman downtown who, Michael Judge is his name, who stands on the street corner. And he got a sign, and all the sign says is, trust Jesus. That's all it says is, trust Jesus. He just down there as a reminder on a regular basis. As people go through their daily activity, they see him over there, and all the sign says, he's standing there on the street corner, is trust Jesus. Some people look at him and keep going. I used to be one of them. Till somebody schooled me and said, maybe he just reminds somebody who's going through a tough day. What about the gentleman in front of Walmart? on Lakeshore, who makes his tabernacle on the side of the street. All he says is, honk if you love Jesus. Some folk will honk if they're mad and in a rush, but they won't honk if they love Jesus. Why? Because that ain't ministry to them. Despise not what God is doing. He's faithful. He's talking about the same Jesus you and I love. I'm going to honk till it can't honk no more. Come on. You need to bless what he's trying to do for the Lord. Last thing you need to know is this. Jesus makes a habit of showing us that God has been blessing, was blessing his ministry from the moment he got there and illuminating who he was from the moment he got there. Jesus Christ says he is the light of the world, and God validated that at every turn. He validated that by all of his birth being fulfillment of all the prophets. He validated that even in his baptism when he and the Holy Spirit came personally and watched John the Baptist baptize Jesus Christ. He validated that by taking care of, his, taking care of him all of his 33 years on this side of heaven. He validated that by referring to him audibly from heaven as his beloved son, in whom he's well pleased. God has been bearing witness that Jesus Christ was in fact, is in fact, the light of the world, and that his, li his life was validation that God loves us. He loves us. Pharisees saw all these things and denied them. My question to you today is, having been told, having been shown all these things, having heard that Jesus himself proclaimed to be the light of the world, showed himself to be the light of the world, do you now deny it? Or do you too believe that there's something about this man Jesus 
His light is still just as bright, still shining. And that's why I can say that I know my little mirrored light off him is still shining, and I'm just going to let it keep shining. This little light of mine, not shining because of me, it's shining because of my connection to the Lord. It's shining because of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the light of the world. Have you been searching for some light in your life? If you've been searching for some light in your life, Jesus said he is the way. How do I know he's the way? Well, not only did he come and live himself righteously, but my Bible tells me that this man died righteously. Not only did he die righteously according to the fulfillment in Scripture, the Bible says that God was so pleased with how Jesus represented himself that three days later, three days after he was crucified unjustly, that he lifted him up out of a grave, out of the darkness of death, and he put light back in him in life, and that Jesus Christ now lives, illuminating the world for all of us. I wonder if today is the first time you've heard about him. If not, then I wonder if you've given your life to him. And if you've never given your life to him, then I strongly suggest that you make today your day. Today is the day to give your life to Jesus Christ. It's a simple song we teach children. All you're saying is, I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. We always add at the end, no turning back. No turning back. While the leaders of our church have come to welcome you, if you've never been baptized before, never acknowledged them, today is the day. Now's the time. Or perhaps you're looking for another church home. Try 45th Street. Today is the day for you. Whosoever will, let them come right now.